Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Paul Calvisi joins me. It's our last show of the year, just ahead of the second-to-last game of the season. Is this the week the Cardinals end their season-long losing streak? Might be no better time. The Falcons, like the Cardinals, have struggled to find the win column in recent weeks. And if it is going to happen, it is going to happen with David Blau at quarterback. Yep, it's always something. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 631, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed it. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. Don't blink, Paul, because if you blink, you might miss something. Because a day does not go by here with the Arizona Cardinals in 2022. Going back to the offseason, where something does not happen, and this week a heck of a lot is happening including not just the fourth different starting quarterback, but the fourth different starting quarterback in as many weeks for the Arizona Cardinals this season. I don't want to hear any whining out of the Hard Knocks producers <laughs> that there isn't enough stuff going on in real time. Did they know something about this season before everyone else did? Is there a reason they showed up? Because they have more than enough content to document. Do they not, Craig Grillo? My goodness. And when we said earlier that this December is the new August – you know, my I didn't mean in terms of how many quarterbacks we're going to see over how many games like it's truly an August preseason schedule because at this point, my goodness, new year, new quarterback. We spent so much time a week ago here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, making a big deal about Trace McSorley's first career start and Tom Brady's 331st career start. This week, Bird Gang, we've got David Blau making his sixth career start and Desmond Ritter his third career start. That is that is where we are here in Week 17. So I will say that having sat in the booth for Dave Pash, and once again, I made everybody appreciate Dave Pash in the top five play-by-play. Wait, play Pash didn't play. get Wally Pipps? Are we yes. breaking news here? No, stop it. He's the top five play-by-play game, play-by-play guy man on the planet, right? And so, boom, I did have, and I'm looking at it right now, and I'm trying to find, here we go, and it's David Blau on my spotting sheet, because this is really the only information I have thereof. <laughs> Because you're right, he started five games as an undrafted rookie with the Lions as I struggle to read my own chicken scratch on this stinking spotting board here. His first com- career completion was a 75-yard touchdown, believe it or not. And I wish I could read the name of the uh, – of the, it was um, – no, I actually don't have it there. And so uh, – and then he actually got some action the end of 2020 – against Tampa when he was with the Lions as well, and he went like 6 of 10 for 49 yards passing in mop-up duty. But he did have 36 starts in five years with Purdue, and he's got the big brain of David Blau because he was academic all Big Ten four years in a row at Purdue. So, okay, if anybody has the mental acuity to process a brand-new system and an air raid-type offense that he saw from afar when he was a Texas high school quarterback, who, by the way, was an elite 11 quarterback in high school, so, I mean, he definitely has some credentials. There's no doubt about it. Has not started since 2019. Went undrafted out of Purdue in 2019 and started those final five games that season. Lost them all, 
but completed 55% or better of his pass attempts in three of those five games. Seven games total. Number eight occurs on Sunday when the Cardinals play at the Atlanta Falcons. Now, you had David Blau on your spotting board last week, Paul, because was there not a specific moments in the middle of the third quarter where we all mm. expected yep. and felt that maybe a change was going to be necessary because Trace McSorley's inability to move the football against the Buccaneers. Now, this week, Colt McCoy was going to be your starting quarterback. He had cleared concussion protocol, practiced fully on Wednesday and Thursday, but after Thursday's practice, according to head coach Cliff Kingsbury, started to experience some concussion symptoms so they went, all right, you're done, you're out. But it's not McSorley, it's Blau who they want to see quarterback perhaps these final two games. And is it really that shocking if Colt McCoy isn't going to go? Don't you think you saw enough of Trace McSorley? Yes. Don't you think you know enough about Trace McSorley? He's been with you since August. Played a lot in the preseason, obviously running the scout team. I think you have a pretty good handle on who Trace McSorley is as a quarterback. And I'm not saying he won't be back next year. But in terms of evaluation, and that's the word Cliff Kingsbury used in his final meeting with the press here in Week 17, in the name of evaluation, you get David Blau out there just to figure out what you have. Because guess what? You do have a quarterback question to start the 2023 season. With Kyler Murray scheduled reportedly for surgery on January 3rd, and nobody having any real clue what his timetable is. I mean, they, they haven't even gone in there yet to figure out the true extent of the damage in the knee. I'll give an example. Tyron Matthews' initial knee injury at the end of his rookie year, they had no idea how extensive it was until they got in there. And, and I'm just going to tell you, agree. this is stuff I don't know if I've told before, but I was told back in the day that when they got into Tyron Matthews' knee, it was hollow. Everything was missing. Everything had been torn. Oh. It was just, so it was miraculous, the comeback he made. And the medical job that Cardinals team doctors did putting his knee back together and that he was able to have such a, a glorious career ever since. So I'm not, I'm not forecasting doom and gloom for Kyler. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying there's a lot of uncertainty. You don't know if you're going to be a Chris Godwin for like Tampa, the Cardinals saw last week, coming off an ACL, and it really only took him eight months to get back. Or are you going to be a Chase Young? who's taken more than 13 months to come back, you have no idea. So with that in mind, what's your quarterback room going to look like next season? And for how long of next season will it be everyone except Kyla Murray? And with that in mind, here you go. David Blau, you get him out there and, and, and you take a test drive. And by the way, another interesting factoid, his bachelor degree at Purdue was organizational leadership. So you know what? If he fails as a quarterback, maybe there's a position for him You know, in the Cardinals' front office at some point. Organizational leadership was his bachelor degree. 27 years old, had spent earlier this season on the Vikings practice squad, and Cliff Kingsbury made it clear, Paul, that we will not see Colt McCoy the rest of this season. Subtly brought up the fact that, yes, it's Blau this week, and then they'll figure out whether it's going to be Blau or McSorley that final week in San Francisco. So you talk about evaluation. Is it two games of Blau or is it two games of McSorley to close out this 2022 season going into what you said? And it's going to be a talking point all offseason long. The quarterback, what do you do as far as waiting for Kyler to get healthy? Do you go in and say Colts are guy? Do you bring in someone else? Or is it Colts and a backup? Blau, McSorley, someone else. 
there is a huge question mark, and that's why I think for a lot of us we were surprised that Colt McCoy was even going to start this week based on the uncertainty of what you have in that quarterback room. And look, I get it. Um, you know, Colt McCoy, the way he explained it to the media midweek when he was still tracking to start was they brought me into play when Kyler can't play. Yes. So he felt it was his obligation, his duty to everyone in that locker room, try and give the Cardinals the best chance to win. We get it. And, and we admire that in a Colt McCoy. It's why he has the ultimate respect from everybody in that room because they know Colt McCoy is about the team. And that's a great attribute to have in any player, especially a quarterback like that, who really is a player coach in so many different ways, Cole McCoy. But in this case, when he had a recurrence of some of the symptoms, obviously you're going to err on the side of being cautious, 36 years of age, father of four. You're not messing with that injury. And so, boom, you're out. And you know what? If David Blau doesn't even make it to halftime, who knows? We'll, we'll see what his command of this offense is like. You know Dean Pease in Atlanta and, and a – Defense is known for dialing it up and being ultra aggressive. They're going to come after David Blau. You got to figure, look what Tampa did and Todd Bowles in every third down situation for Trace McSorley and the Cardinals in that game. That really, to me, I know the turnovers and the fumbles and all that, those were costly, there's no doubt. But the Cardinals went 5 of 19 on third down against Tampa. And it and at times really looked overmatched on third down. Pressure got to Trace McSorley quickly. He didn't really have an answer didn't always know where to go with the ball. And when he did go somewhere with the ball, it usually wasn't on target, underthrown, overthrown, off target. So, okay, let's see how David Blau is under pressure because I'm guessing he's going to get every last design and the kitchen sink. We had uh, we had Billy Price in the Big Red Rage, and he nodded. This is before we even know David Blau was going. You thought Colt McCoy was going at that point. And even he acknowledged that Dean Pease was going to bring it and make it exotic. I did hear part of that conversation this week on the Big Red Rage. Very enlightening conversation. I learned a lot about Billy Price in those two segments that you had him on on the Big Red Rage. But when you look at what happens now with this Cardinals offense and facing a Falcons defense that when you look overall, not great. In most statistical measurements, they are in the bottom third. They have certainly improved over the last several games. They've allowed 21 or fewer points in each of their last four games, and they have improved their pass defense less than 200 yards allowed in five of their last six games. But there is one name to keep an eye on, especially if you're Billy Price and everyone else on that offensive line, to keep off of David Blau, and that's Grady Jarrett. Yeah, he's their team-leading sack guy, is an interior D lineman. He has a half dozen. There's no doubt. He's disruptive. He can be destructive at times. So we'll see how the Cardinals' interior O-line holds up. And once again, you know, as Billy Price explained, there are different kinds of sacks that are out there. And by the way, he said the first thing they look at, the question was, okay, as an offensive line, you know, Billy, you might realize uh, Paulie Pencilneck here – Uh, has never played offensive line, so you tell me, how do you gauge and judge a performance in a game? What do you look at in the box score first? And he said sacks, then yards per carry, and then third down. So he had different things they look at. But in terms of the sacks, look, it could be a case of an offensive lineman getting beat. It could be a coverage sack. It could be the quarterback not getting rid of the ball, not recognizing the hot. Now, in that first strip sack where Trace McSorley got blindsided, where there was one too many pass rushers for offensive linemen, is that on the quarterback to recognize that and get rid of the ball and hit your check down, hit your hot immediately 
And when Trace takes a nice leisurely <laughs> drop and, and, and he thinks he has time when he doesn't, and boom, down goes Trace McSorley, those are the sort of things that can shake confidence in your play caller and head coach. Hence yet another reason why I'm not surprised David Blau gets a start. And I think on that particular play, when you see the entire offensive line slide to the right, allowing Anthony Nelson a free shot at the quarterback, and in just talking with people this week, that is something, even though it's the blind side of the quarterback, you've got to be able to, and we've heard this before, you've got to be able to feel the rush. So I do think hindsight and having some time to look at it over again, yeah, McSorley needed to get rid of that football or nothing else, throw the football away at that point. And I believe Hard Knocks even captured Cam Turner telling that to McSorley on this most recent edition of Hard Knocks. So a lot goes into it, but I am now curious about what we see out of Blau, how much of this offense does he know? He just got here two weeks ago. Kingsbury said they're going to keep it very simple, base concepts, but perhaps maybe a little bit more, I don't know how much more, considering James Conner played darn near the entire game last week, but how much do you rely on James Conner to carry this offense to try to get back into that win column for the first time in a very, very long time? Well, when he has more than five yards of carry, James Conner, yet he had 15 carries in the game, I'd say there is room for more. Billy Price, in a roundabout way, said as much that, hey, don't have to ask the offensive lineman twice to keep feeding your big Pro Bowl running back, James Conner. So, yes, I, I would think with David Blau out there, possibly without DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. that you might look a lot like Atlanta's offense, run first, second, and third. If you're going to, in the name of evaluations and young guys, oh, I don't know, if you want to, you know, keep 15 carries for James Conner, how about a dozen for Keontae Ingram? Even Corey Clement, you know, start feeding him and see what happens. I did like some of those different alignments and assignments we saw against Tampa. You saw some different, you saw Trace McSorley under center quite a bit. You, you saw tight ends in the backfield. You even saw an eye formation here and there, a lot of pistols. So there's some different things you, you can break out and, and try and keep the defense guessing a little bit. But there's no doubt, you know, especially when you're David Blau and you're brand new in a system, yes, the running game is your best friend. And I'm, you've brought this up a couple of different times because what you just said about what we've seen offensively, how much is that? the fingerprints of Steve Hyden, former tight ends coach, now working with the offensive line. I know you've you've harped on this, how much different the run game has looked. You've asked players, coaches, on and off the record, and they're all saying the same thing. No, you can't do that midseason. Based off what we've seen, Paul, our yeah. eyes are telling us something different yeah. from what we or what you have been told and what you've shared to everyone else here on Cardinals Cover well, 2. I think – what you can do midseason is pick a different chapter in the playbook. I don't know if you're necessarily creating it from scratch, but some of this did exist. It just maybe wasn't relied upon as much. And so you are seeing a return to more between the tackle runs, some more of the zone scheme. You know, Wolf Pepper, Billy Price on that 22 yard touchdown run by James Conner. What sort of scheme was that exactly? Yes, it was an outside zone scheme. According to Billy Price, they've been sort of setting that up all game long. And then when they saw the look they wanted, when they saw the front they wanted with Tampa, they called that run play, and it hit big. And so these are things that, yes, they, they've been putting in place and or taking from the nether regions of the playbook and installing and instituting on a week-to-week on -week basis. Uh, I think Steve Hyden, no question, is more of a straight-ahead between the tackles, 
kind of run game guy. We, you know, maybe not nearly as um, as complex with all the pullers, and it's more off the ball and straight ahead. And so, and look, I think we have seen, if nothing else, the Cardinals wearing down some defenses in the fourth quarter. That has definitely happened. So I think there's a little bit more of an investment in the straight-ahead run game the first three quarters, and you're seeing a payoff in the fourth quarter. And maybe that sort of philosophy and mentality wasn't necessarily there the first half of this season. And the offensive line is healthy, at least as far as who we've seen on the field the last couple of weeks. You're going into this week's game with likely the same offensive line for the third straight game. Josh Jones, Max Garcia, Billy Price, Will Hernandez, Calvin Beecham. Cardinals, this has been an all-revolving door as far as O-line combinations, but now you've got five guys again. Not all of them starters or what you were expecting to go into this season with, but at least you've got five of your best, and now they're staying healthy on the field. You work that chemistry, the cohesion. As Wolfley likes to say, you don't have to have five of the best at their respective position, but just five working together, and the sum of the parts is better than the individuals. See, and that's extremely real. If you talk to the offensive linemen, you're midseason, you're not having practices at 100% in full pads, full contact. So how do you truly work on your craft if you're an offensive lineman? How do you work on that combo block? It's tough. So that is real, I think, that struggle right there of having a continual revolving door. Now, look, Billy Price didn't say it, but a number of guys have told me off the record that when Billy Price first started and he came in, and remember, we haven't seen Rodney Hudson since week four, and then Billy Price came in, and it was a very different scheme with the Raiders where the quarterback made all the calls. You know, this is a Josh McDaniel system that goes back to Tom Brady. Tom Brady was making all the calls. With the Raiders, Derek Carr was making all the calls. Now you come into a Cardinal system, and guess what? The center is responsible for a majority of those calls and setting the pass protections. And that was a big deal for Billy Price. He's trying to learn the playbook, and he's responsible for making all these calls and recognizing the fronts and communicating and conveying that to everybody else on the offensive line. And so, yeah, that, that was a lot in his plate initially, but as, he's, as he has settled down with that, as the Cardinals haven't quite used as much tempo either, I think, which is the difference with Steve Hyden. They haven't gone no huddle nearly as much. That's a little bit easier on the offensive line into Billy Price. But then I had other people tell me that, yeah, the, things were so discombobulated with all these moving parts and pieces on the interior line. There were instances where guys were stepping on each other's feet. So think about that. You're trying to beat – a 320-pound three technique to the spot and get a little bit of leverage so you can spring a running back. But now you just had your foot stepped on by the guard you've never played with because you guys aren't in sync and there's no chemistry and cohesion. So to your point, it has improved as the turnover has been reduced up front. And that, you know, it's amazing how that works. And now we'll see how it holds up against Atlanta Week 17. Weeks 2, 3, and 4. The last games that Rodney Hudson played this season, the last time the Cardinals started the same offensive line combination for three straight games. Wow. Wow. And look, what are the Cardinals going to do at center next year? I think everyone would agree, and yours truly, show of hands, how many more people around here have a bigger and better appreciation of the center position ever since Rodney Hudson Absolutely. showed up? And so what are the Cardinals going to do next year? Because for everything that Rodney Hudson has been in his career – I don't think any of us are expecting him back in a Cardinals uniform next year. So what does that mean? Could Billy Price be your long-term center? So in terms of evaluation, you're talking about a guy who's taken 21st overall in 2018. He was a first-round pick. The Remington Award winner at Ohio State, 
He redshirted Ohio State and then started every game the next four years, won a national title. He was a dominant player. But the last three places he's gone, that you've seen the administration blown up. You saw the Bengals go from Marvin Lewis to Zach Taylor. You saw the Giants go from Joe Judge to Brian Dable. And then the Raiders with the whole Josh McDaniels takeover, you know, and now the Cardinals, and who knows what's next around with the Arizona Cardinals in terms of leadership. You know, it's been a volatile career for a Billy Price. So if he can settle in, play some good ball, you might be looking at your starting center for the next three years. It is something to keep an eye on this offseason, whether it's addressed in the draft or free agency or both, not just the center position, but the interior of the offensive line, especially if you think, and we certainly do, Kyler Murray is the long-term answer at the quarterback position. Just don't know when next season we'll see number one. We talk a lot about the run game with respect to the Arizona Cardinals on offense. Let's switch it because this Falcons offense, it's the one thing that they do very, very well, number three in the league in rushing yards per game and then yards per play at almost five a game. This Cardinals defense, stop the run, is always something that Vance Joseph talks about each and every week. But you're not going to have Zach Allen for the third straight game and the inability to stop the run has been an Achilles heel of this Cardinals defense a lot this season. Yeah, we're going to know right away how willing the Cardinals are to tackle. And I know we said this a couple weeks in a row, and honestly we've been pleasantly surprised because sometimes when a team doesn't have anything to play for in the standings in the postseason, you can see the bottom fall out when it comes to the will and want to and tackling. Now, the X factor for me is what does this defense look like minus the human eraser, Buda Baker. Yes, when you go through his career, I just did a quick check, pro football reference, just looking at his game logs. Has he missed one game in his career? It was week four, 2020, the COVID year at Carolina, then empty stadium. Buddha didn't play in that game. I do believe that's the only game he's missed with injury. And and, and that game, by the way, really stands out oh. just because, one, it was the COVID season, but you always point to that game, and I remember it as well, just watching it, on how listless that defense looked when you don't have number three on the field. Yep. You're not going to have him on the field this week. Yeah, J.J. Watt is still around, and Kingsbury talked about about sending out J.J. on the right note these final two games. But what does that do, not just personnel-wise, but spiritually and the leadership? You lose that energy on and off the field. Yeah, Buda Baker is just a, a different animal that I think the whole nation has discovered on hard knocks. And, and then just his ability to come back from the high ankle sprain and not miss a game, just the fact he finished that game on Christmas night with what turned out to be a fractured shoulder, and he's still making tackles in the open field, a 250-pound Leonard Fournette, just crazy The the what he stands for as a player. So minus Buda Baker. Back to my original point in that secondary, what are the Cardinals going to look like, both in terms of ability and want to? And so we'll see right away, because to your point, this is a run game that is very physical. And the rookie running back, Tyler Algier, is that how it's pronounced, Correct. by the way? Uh, everything that everybody says in that locker room, and I'm just, I've never seen him in person, but based on what guys tell me in that locker room, he is a yards-after-contact guy. And I heard someone talking in the Atlanta media about the Falcons and their personnel department, and they had him rated the second-best college running back behind Kenneth Walker III. And they got him in the fifth round. Fifth round! And and he's that physical, though. See, he's not a burner, so he fell. 
but he will break arm tackles. He will pinball around if you don't wrap. Uh, and so, um, I, you know, look, in week 17, and you have no postseason to play for, uh, once again, you're going to find out right away how willing the Cardinals are to bring down this rookie running back who, based on what I've read, hasn't even missed a practice this year. I mean, he has been an Iron Man. Top 10 in the NFC in rushing yards and rushing yards per play. And if it's not Algier, the rookie, then you've got Cordero Patterson, 10 years in the league. He also top 10 in the conference in rushing yards per play, a team best six touchdown runs. And when you have a rookie quarterback, what do you say? You lean on the run game. And this is a Falcons offense right now that has leaned all season long, regardless of the quarterback on that running game. With the with the young with the young player and with the experienced veteran, so you're right. Minus a Buda Baker, minus a Zach Allen in the secondary, you're not going to have Antonio Hamilton this week. Marco Wilson is questionable. You're going to throw the ball on this Cardinals off uh, defense, or you're going to run the ball against this Cardinals defense. Yeah, we're going back to Denver. When you're looking at your top two corners, are seventh round rookie Christian Matthew and Jace Whitaker. And then a practice squad player to be named later. Now in Denver was Nate Hairston. Like, who's this guy? 27. It's Nate Hairston. Well, now he's on practice yeah. squad IR, correct? So say, say hello to Josh Jackson, who was with the Cardinals in August. So he's back right now. Um, and, and he's going to be your number three corner. But you're minus Buddha. So you're also going to see Chris Banjo. You're going to see Chuck Washington. You're going to see Isaiah Simmons more in the Buddha role. So there's going to be a lot of moving parts. Marcus Robertson, Greg Williams, those two secondary assistant coaches, what exactly that means for the Cardinals. But again, you know, not only do you have Tyler Algier, but you have a Desmond Ritter who can move. He can get out and run. Now, this kind of report on him is he's not your typical rookie quarterback who is if his first read isn't there, he's going to pull it, tuck it, and run it. He will hang in the pocket. So there will, I think, be opportunities for sacks, unlike going against Tom Brady, who got rid of that ball so quick. It's so ridiculous that Tom Brady didn't get sacked once. and, and Or he got hit four times. I mean, there is nothing more important at age 45 to him than just getting rid of the ball. And, and even though there were some receivers open downfield on film, from everything I'm told, he doesn't care. He's, he's, he's just targeting those checkdowns. When in doubt, he's getting rid of it. Uh, guess what? Desmond Ritter will hold on to it. So maybe there'll be a chance for J.J. Watt to get to double-digit sacks. And reportedly, isn't there another I believe so. million-dollar incentive if he gets one more sack? And you know not only does he want it, but you get the sense that his teammates, maybe the coaches want yeah. to get it for him mm -hmm. as well. as a nice little parting gift as he makes his way off into whatever he's going to do next post-playing career. Yeah, so, okay, Desmond Ritter, uh, if he holds on to the football, that's what every defensive lineman loves to hear, anybody who gets after a quarterback. But if he gets outside the pocket, he can most definitely run. He hasn't thrown an interception in his two starts this year. He hasn't thrown a touchdown pass either. Um, you know, so he hasn't exactly been that much of a, of a threat. He hasn't necessarily needed to be. Now, when they went to Baltimore last week, it was 17 degrees of kickoff. And I think the only – I mean, even Baltimore only attempted 17 passes in that game with Tyler Huntley. So it wasn't exactly passing conditions. Here's the thing. Of their five wins, four of them have been at home for Atlanta. So they're obviously been better at home indoors. Um, and, and we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I mean, it's a Falcons team that you forget – hasn't had a winning record at any point since the end of the 2017 season. 
they've missed the playoffs five straight years. So Arthur Smith has had his hands full in year two of this rebuild. They're 12-20 and 20 under Arthur Smith in nearly two full seasons. Uh, what exactly do they look like? What exactly is that building all about? Is there going to be any energy in that building on what is a college football weekend? Big time, and that is a college football town, Atlanta, first and foremost, at least from my experiences. So I am curious what the scene is like because the Cardinals have finished out some lackluster seasons in Atlanta before, and it's been DOA. I mean, it's just been dead in that building. Cardinals come in 4-11, and having lost five in a row. Falcons 5-10, and having lost four in a row, although all four of those losses by one possession. So they've been in every game recently, this season but to your point as far as the atmosphere do we have to go back to what is it byoe bring your own energy that you coined a few years back because not only is cardinals falcons on new year's day so we'll have to figure out how just how excited everyone is to wake up for a new year's day game especially how much partying paul calvisi and everyone else does in atlanta zero But, but you've also got the college football semifinal on Saturday, and the Atlanta Hawks have the Los Angeles Lakers in town. Cardinals Mm. and Falcons might be the third biggest sporting events of the weekend. Yeah, maybe. We'll we'll see. That's a a really good point. Um, And and look, Cardinals go into this game, and there are plenty of guys who have something to play for, right? I mean, you talk about BYOE. If you're interested in your own future, and and I thought – I thought Vance Joseph made a great point, and actually I'm not sure if it was on Hard Knocks or to the media, that when other GMs pick up your game film, they don't care if you're 4-10, if you're 4-11. They, they don't care about the record. They're, they're not necessarily looking at the film and trying to go ahead and put it in context uh, of a season. They're just looking at how you played. And so I know you did a review of the Cardinals roster as it currently stands. How many different pending unrestricted free agents are they looking at? I just updated it earlier on Friday because you throw in Farrell Cooper to that list. It's 33, including J.J. Watt, who is going to be retiring. But you keep making these roster moves, and yeah, it adds to your list, but 33 of your 53 active man roster, unrestricted free agents when the season comes to a close in two weeks. There is going to be plenty of roster turnover, and to your point, what do you put on film these next two games? And we've been talking about this for the last month, Paul, but it is so true. Is it here? Is it elsewhere? Or do you play yourself out of the league? Yeah. And look, whether it's this coaching staff or another one, uh, they're coming back to how you finished out this season. So we'll, we'll get a good sense right away, I think, of where the game is tracking. And once again, I think it, it, it's worth noting that the Cardinals have not had that game where we felt the need to take out the jumper cables and jumpstart this team on the sideline. That has not happened this year. Certainly not to the degree it happened last year. What you saw in Detroit, what you saw at home against Carolina in 2021, I haven't seen a lackluster, you know, lack of energy game like that at all this season. Uh, and so we'll see. Once again, a lot of it comes down to the belief in your quarterback. And so what does this team think of a David Blau? as a starting quarterback. I think, you know, they went into that game and once they were hanging in the game and it was a field goal fest through three quarters, I think the Cardinals started to buy in even more. You know, even though the offense obviously wasn't potent with Trace McSorley, but they figured, okay, you know what, we're in a slug fest here. We can pull this out. 
So my fear is if you get down by a couple of scores and you have a four-string quarterback in there, that's when things can fall off a cliff. By the way, pay attention to who this team elevates from the practice squad. We do know that a long snapper will be needed. That's going to be Hunter Bradley. So once again, when you have a when that triumphant of long snapper holder and kicker is misplaced, we know things can get a little wonky at times. Is that who number forty eight was out yes. at Friday practice? Correct. What's the name again? Hunter Lux? Bradley. Hunter Bradley. Six three two forty one. Has experience, four seasons with the Green Bay Packers, a former seventh-round draft pick in 2018. So you like the fact that he's got experience and he's been here all week long. James Morgan is your practice squad quarterback. Does he get elevated this week? Do you carry three quarterbacks on the roster for Sunday? It might just depend what else is going on as far as where do you need a body or two based off of injuries because you're also potentially going to need a cornerback because you're not quite sure about Marco Wilson's health. If he is active, how long can he play based off the fact that he's been dealing with a neck issue? So a lot of moving parts here heading into this Week 17 game, but as we opened the show with, Paul Anything and everything needs to be expected and anticipated when you talk about the 2022 Arizona Cardinals, not just regular season, but going back to the offseason. No question. And so, okay, um, you know, David Blau, uh, I think he has an appreciation for this moment and the ability to get a start, just like Trace McSorley did. Who knows? That could be the last NFL start of Trace McSorley's career. Easily. We know the way things change and how fast and rapidly things evolve in this league. So, all right, David Blau gets out there, and how capable can he be? Who's he going to have chemistry with? See, to me it was interesting, Trace McSorley, right from the beginning, him and Greg Dortch obviously connected, and what a game for Greg Dortch. Well, it made all the sense in the world because those guys got all the reps in August and then running the scout team. Who is David Blau going to have a connection with, if anyone? Because you saw how poor it looked when Trace McSorley was trying to get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins even Hard Knocks documented that, that there was Trace McSorley at halftime lamenting, man, i got to get the ball to D-Hop, and he still couldn't do it, you know, for whatever reason. Um, so, okay, what is David Blau's, uh, you know, who's his go-to guy? Uh, we'll find out, if anyone. I- I'm not really sure. I'd love to see a betray McBride. Love to see that round two tight end continue to evolve. He has more catches in the last three weeks, and, you know, in the last – and twice as many receiving yards as the first 10 games combined. So, you know, he's been evolving the right way. But with no DeAndre Hopkins, what does that mean for Hollywood Brown? And, you know, does A.J. Green get more reps now minus a D-hop? If indeed he, he doesn't go, we don't know. Robbie Anderson has a lot to play for. He's a guy who's going to need a team next year. He's certainly not returned to the Cardinals under the terms of his nope. existing contract. There's absolutely no way. And, and I love what Farrell Cooper has showed in the return game. I mean, there's a reason he went to a Pro Bowl as a return guy his second year in the league. I love the aggression out of Farrell Cooper. I'll leave you with this note, and you can use it when you talk with Dave Pash and Ron Wolfley, and I'll give credit. You don't have to, but I'll give credit to ESPN Stats and Info because history is going to be made on Sunday afternoon in Atlanta. Mm. Jared Stidham, who will get the start for the Raiders this week, and now David Blau, the 63rd and 64th different quarterbacks to start at least one game this season. That is the second most in league history going all the way back. The most, 87. In 1987, 
But that was the strike-shortened year, so that doesn't really count. But 64 different starting quarterbacks in 2022. Paul, there are 32 teams in the National Football League. That means at least two uh, two per team, as they do math on the fly here. No, And, And you know what? Think of all the rules in place to protect the starting quarterback, and 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 obviously, and all the angst, and rightfully so, as to what you know ends up defining roughing the passer, for example, and a lot of those questionable calls. But you know, the onus is on protecting those franchise quarterbacks, and even with everything that's being done, look at the turnover. By the way, 1987, you know, 64 different starting quarterbacks. There's probably 164 that year with the strike and the replacements and all that. I mean, that, that was just utter insanity. You probably had a neighbor who was an NFL starting quarterback that season for all the insanity that, that went on. Uh, but, yeah, and so, look, um, and who starts this week? We have no idea who might be your starter in the finale at the San Francisco 49ers, and you never know what you're going to hit on in your third-string quarterback. Just look at the 49ers right now and local guy Brock Purdy. That is amazing what he's been able to do. Maybe the Cardinals have found their own Brock Purdy. Who knows? Maybe that is David Blau this week and potentially next week. On Sunday, Cardinals and Falcons, 11 a.m., 6.30 a.m. Pre-game begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. It is the first day of the new year. Paul, do you have any New Year's Eve oh. plans in Hotlanta? Yeah, well, you know, if Wolf would have gotten off his keister and tried to make some plans, some reservations on New Year's Eve, but now we're totally hosed. I mean, you know, on a last-minute basis, you know, we have actually relied on John Barry, the ESPN <laughs> NBA analyst in the past, okay, because he's the guy. The wine cellar. Oh, you the know, cars. JV, yeah, he's the man. He's the guy who walks into Hal's Steakhouse, and boom, doesn't matter if there's an hour wait. He gets seated within five minutes. So we've ridden his coattails. Unfortunately, John Barry's out of town. He's on assignment, so he won't be around. So, uh yeah, I'm not forecasting any sort of New Year's Eve glory for the for us uh, schmoes in Atlanta. Uh, maybe if and when Dave Pash is able to get in from announcing <laughs> the Sugar Bowl, I believe. Correct. Um, then you know what? Maybe Dave will, will make something happen. He owes us one after last week. Well, if you want to know what happened on New Year's Eve with Paul and the gang, pregame huddle. Tune in at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. Get your new year started with Paul Calvisi because why not get your yeah. new year started yeah. with Paul Calvisi? Well, you're going to be sorely disappointed because Dave Pasher's running joke is, hey, I won't be into the team hotel guys till 9 o'clock on Saturday night. I know you two will both be in bed by then, so I guess I'll see you Sunday morning. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're not exactly uh, ending up on page six of your local tabloid. Put it that way. There's always hope. We'll keep our fingers yeah. crossed for you there, Paul. yeah. yeah. On that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Amahundro. For Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.